0: morning thank you good morning yeah if you guys are new this morning and you're like does so does this church do teaching or do they just like pray for people and talk about stuff and sing (laughs) we do teaching surprise I've had kind of a tough week sometimes we have tough weeks as believers isn't that true (laughs) and so, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, what just happened up here with, with Pastor Jackie and Pastor Josh, that's a special place in Kate and I, start because Kate and I started as children's pastors and worship pastors. We were children's pastors for 10 years and uh, worship pastors for 14 years and... There's something about sharing the gospel with kids and watching kids respond to Jesus that will absolutely wreck you and change your life forever. So I want to encourage you, if you didn't click that QR code, maybe after service, find a way to do that because it will change your life. But as Pastor Trevor mentioned um, this morning, we're in part two of a three-part series on a very, very small letter in the New Testament called Philemon, Philemon. And I just want to pray, and then we're going to get started, okay? So, Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the awesome privilege of opening your word together freely. Thank you. We're so blessed to be able to open your word together in this room and read it together. What a privilege. Don't let us lose sight of the privilege of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much. We just say, come Holy Spirit, rest in this place. We open up our hearts to you and only you today. God, would you just show yourself strong in this room, teach us, lead us, and change our lives and hearts today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, you were supposed to be here today. Turn to somebody and say, you were supposed to be here today. Now that you've said that, let me tell you what we're talking about. Today we're talking about church hurt. And I, <laughs> you were like, wait, nope, I'm out. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I, I wanted, yeah, I had lots of ways I was going to introduce this this morning, but I thought I'd just take the Band-Aid off, just rip it off. Just say, hey, today we're talking about church hurt. You are in one of two camps today, if you're in this room, somebody who has been hurt by somebody in the church and somebody who's going to be hurt by somebody in the church. So just relax, settle into that. You're in one of two camps this morning, somebody who's been hurt in church and somebody who's gonna be hurt in church if you hang out for any amount of time. That's just the truth. Church hurt. It's actually a term that's only been popular in the last few years calling it that. We've called it all kinds of other things. We've had lots of other official, biblical, Jesus, Bible-sounding things that we've liked to call it, but actually it's just people being damaged by other people in the family of God. And it's real. And it's actually been a really tough message for me to prepare, walking me through things, memories, and experiences that aren't all rainbows— as we look at the at letters from the Apostle Paul, it's important to remember that the names that he rattles off all the time, those were real people. The names that Paul opens and closes a letter with, those were real people. Those were real people that, that he treated really well and people that he treated badly. Those were real people that treated him well and treated him badly. They were real people. You're saying, I don't read that in there. How do you know that? I'm saying, I know that because they're people. And people were people back in bible times you guys i'm sorry to break this down so simply but i think sometimes we got we have to right people were people then just like people are people now people hurt each other it's it's something that since the fall we've gotten very good at even in the redeemed family of god mistakes are made people do stuff Every church, every leader, every volunteer, every church attender, every children's ministry leader, every uh, men's group leader, every pastor, everybody. Everybody makes mistakes sometimes and doesn't handle a situation well. It doesn't handle somebody else's feelings well. Everybody misses it. And if you haven't been wronged or hurt in church yet, maybe just keep this word in your pocket for another day. (laughs) I don't mean to sound dark, just honest. Sometimes church gets really messy. As I mentioned earlier, um, we were children's, Kate and I were children's pastors and worship pastors. And this December, uh, we'll have been ordained for 20 years in ministry. And I've seen my share, I've seen my share. And I don't have it all tied up. I don't have it all like, there's not a bow on the, you know, the hurts of my life or the situations that I walk through. It does, it's not all tidy and neat now and fixed now. And I'm not speaking to you from a place of saying, it's cool, I made it and it's good. I'm saying it happens and it's real. And there's a biblical way to move forward in it. Uh, I've experienced abandonment and betrayal in ministry and in church, abuse and neglect, and they're all in various states of the healing process in my own life, in Kate and I's marriage, in our ministry. We've walked through these things and we are walking through these things. It's real. And I know that even through everything I've experienced from people in church, I have also hurt and caused hurt in others in church. Sometimes we get hurt in church and sometimes we hurt others in the family of God and in times like that, we need a little letter from the Apostle Paul. If you've been hurt in church, I'm I'm sorry. My intent today was not to dredge anything up for you and make you face up to anything you don't want to face up to today. So please don't feel forced anything, push in anything, anything like that. That's not the goal of today. It's just the week I got selected to preach, so blame somebody else. <laughs> but, My goal today is to go through a few concepts that Paul shares as he deals with a situation between two people in one church that was so serious and so damaging. Listen to this. This Whatever the situation was, we don't know what happened actually between between um, Philemon and Onesimus. We don't exactly know. We know Onesimus is no longer there. We know he ran away, but we don't really even know what happened in this little one-page letter. We don't actually know the full context of what happened. But what I do know is it was so hurtful and so damaging to, to Philemon and to potentially the church that met in his home that the letter that Paul writes about it actually it warrants including in the case. Camp- of the New Testament. So whatever it was, it was serious enough to be put in the New Testament for you and me, okay? I know sometimes we can read through this. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've read through Philemon and I'm like, okay, sure, I guess. All right, sure. Okay, well, that was over. Now on to Hebrews, right? It's like it, it's in the, in the one-year Bible where you read a little bit of the Bible. Well, not a little bit. You read some of the Bible every day until you're done with in one year. Philemon is like, like a quarter of the morning you read on that day. It's just like, oh, you read it, and it's done. There's not really, so for us taking three weeks to walk through one page of letter, I think is warranted. Yeah. Because it was included in there for a reason. And so today, some of what I'm going to share, I'm going to pull from the Apostle Paul's words to the church. Some of, some of which I'm going to speculate from my own church experience. Is that okay? And I'm going to try to make a difference between the two and let you know when I'm doing that. But if later you want to quote me and email me something, then go ahead. But <laughs> but just know we're we're reading out of what the Apostle Paul said to Philemon and then what he's saying to the greater church. Church hurt gets its own letter. A letter that was written by Paul to Philemon, delivered by Onesimus and the one who hurt him and was read in the church that met in their home altogether. Open your Bibles to Philemon. We're gonna kind of go in and out of that. It's, it's, um, it's just before Hebrews. If you, and right after Titus. So it's, like I said, it's just one page. Or on your Bible app, it's like two little scrolls like this. And then it's over. <laughs> I'm gonna read just a little bit and then um, I I wanna, I don't wanna rush this, is that okay? I know we have a lot going on this morning. I already talked to Pastor Jackie and she's ready to keep your kids a few extra minutes. But I don't wanna rush through this topic. So if it's okay with you, we're gonna actually spend the time it takes to walk through it, okay? If you need to go, if you've got brunch plans. Okay, nobody? Okay, perfect, all right. (laughs) You saw it, they're all in. Okay, so. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, and also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you but now he's become both useful to you and to me. I'm sending him who's my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so, I could take your, so he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Verse 15. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he's done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. (laughs) I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you, and the Lord refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the word of the Lord. A few observations here this morning. Just from this letter, let's just extrapolate a couple of things out of here. First of all, when he says, if he's done you any wrong, every time he uses this word wrong, I want to explain, so that we've kind of sanitized this thing. Wrong, wrong. It just kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's very. It, it doesn't mean a whole lot to us in our culture. Let me just tell you, The Greek word here for wrong, and we're going to put this slide up. The Greek word here for wrong is acting wickedly, causing damage, harm, hurt, injury, offense, or treating unjustly. Just leave that up there for a minute. When the Apostle Paul writes and says, If you've been wronged, this is what he means. So I want to say to us today, if if you have had any of these experiences, then the Apostle Paul is laying out a roadmap for us to move forward. If this has been any of your experience in the body of Christ or with your brothers and sisters in Jesus, this, th- these things, this is what he's referring to today. So if someone has acted wickedly towards you, caused damage to you, harmed you, hurt you, injured you, offended you, or treated you unjustly, So there's a few things we don't know in this letter. We don't know how long it's been since the wrong happened. We don't know how long it's been since the offense, the hurt. We don't know how long it's been. What did his servant do to wrong his master so badly? We don't know that either. But we do know that running away was not simply the only offense that Onesimus did here. He didn't just run away. There's a little bit more to the story. We don't know what it is, but apparently there was something besides just running away. Also notice this letter is not Paul telling Philemon to come to Rome to fix things. Hey, Philemon, come to Rome. I have your slave. Let's get this settled. That's not what this letter is about. He actually sends the mail carrier is Onesimus himself to go fix the problem with Philemon. Philemon implying that Paul has already addressed some issues on Onesimus' end. We don't know how long he was with Paul. Long enough for Paul to get a pretty good understanding of the story, write a letter, and send his butt back. You see, this was not a letter telling, just telling Philemon what to do. This was a letter... Letting Philemon know how to receive Onesimus back to himself. Hey, here's how you can receive him back. You're like, wait a second. Isn't Onesimus the slave in this situation? Yes. And Trevor touched on that last week. This letter is not a justification for enslavement of anyone. And Paul's not endorsing or justifying or recommending slavery here at all. That's not what's happening, okay? That's, that's, the, that was not a part of what Paul was doing until the very end, and we're gonna just talk about that in a minute. Another thing I wanna pull out of this is just how carefully Paul handles hurt. Do you notice this? If, If there was a way that you were like, hey, how do we address hurt in church? I want you just to write this down, handle hurt carefully. Handle hurt carefully. Paul writes this particular letter, this one, Philemon, this letter that we have included in our New Testament, this letter that Paul writes, he writes it in a very specific Greco-Roman writing style that's tactful and lighthearted. When I read it earlier, you all chuckled. Do you notice that? Why? No, it wasn't my inflection. It was, it was what Paul wrote. It made us go, oh, yeah, that's, that's humorous. He writes in this style that's both tactful and lighthearted, but builds rapport with the intended reader in verse four through 10. Then he persuades the mind of the reader in verse 11 through 19 and moves the emotions of the reader in verse 20 and 21. And notice that the name Onesimus, the name that the letter is actually, the person that the letter is actually about doesn't even appear until verse 10 even though he's the guy handing him the letter. And Paul's appeal for him isn't even stated until verse 17 of 25. He's very intentional. He's very careful how he handles this situation. This is not Paul's Paul's typical bombastic, blasting instruction to the church. This is not Hebrews, this is not, or this is not Romans, this is not uh, Corinthians, this is not where he says all these things that you're like, wow, ouch, and then he's like, and love one another, right? This is not Paul's typical writing style. He has chosen a style carefully to lead, to convince, to saturate the situation with grace through a letter. Also notice, Paul does not pretend like nothing happened. Paul does not pretend like nothing happened. Most church hurts go unhealed because they go unacknowledged. I'm going to say that again because it applies to somebody. Most church hurt goes unhealed because it goes unacknowledged. You might live with it, that's not acknowledging it. Philemon was living in it, Onesimus was living in it, now Paul was living in it, and you better believe the church in their home was living in it. But it doesn't get acknowledged till a, church, till a letter is written to the whole church that opens it up. Do you imagine having your stuff just laid out in front of everybody? It says, to the church that meets in your home. Hey, to the church that meets in your home, here's what's going on with all this stuff you guys are walking through. Woo. But he does it so carefully, so delicately, so kindly. It wasn't, he doesn't say, you know, just, he doesn't say just like, and look at this. In verse 18, he actually says, if he's done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. He says it, verse 18, if he's done anything wrong or if there's anything that he owes you, charge it to me. He doesn't say, let it go, Philemon. He doesn't say, get over it, Philemon. He doesn't say, it wasn't that big of a deal or you're overreacting or are you sure that's what happened? He says, welcome him back. And if he's done anything wrong to you or owes you anything, charge it to me. He acknowledges there in front of God and everybody, the whole house church, that Onesimus may still owe him something. There may still be a debt there, and if there is, Paul will take it on. He doesn't specifically ask Philemon to forgive the debt himself. He's like, look, if you need a pound of flesh, take it from me. Take it from me. Paul acknowledges the damage and seeks to take it on himself for the healing of this very important relationship. Glossing over a hurt won't heal anything. I know I am a, I am, I avoid conflict as a person. That's my personality. And I work on it all the time. But as a person, as a leader, I avoid conflict at any cost. It's a flaw, it's not a bonus. However, Avoiding conflict and glossing over hurts doesn't heal anything. Opening up hurts, carefully working through them, talking about them together heals things. Acknowledging it happened is where it has to start. And if you can't acknowledge that it happened or the other party can't acknowledge that it happened, we're maybe not quite there for healing just yet. Even though Paul is 1,300 miles away in prison, Paul steps into the pain and hurt that Philemon has experienced and is likely going through again as he's face-to-face with the one who wronged him, and he teaches this church right there in front of a leader. Leaders know what I'm talking about, and sometimes things happen in front of everybody to you. That's just the way it goes sometimes. He's likely in a place of great pain as he faces the one who wronged him. But Paul teaches the church what it looks like. And then in turn, Philemon teaches his church what it looks like to walk in relationships through the struggle and damage and messiness of relationship. I believe one of the most healing things you can do as a brother or sister in Christ is to acknowledge and sit in the pain of somebody else acknowledge and sit in the pain of somebody else what's happened to you what's your experience listen sit with them minister to them just be with them in two simple verses Paul asked Philemon to change his perspective on who Onesimus actually is look at this in verse uh, verse 15 You can go ahead and put that at verse 15. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while, just a thought, just a suggestion, Philemon, maybe the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, a dear brother. Now I have bolded these on purpose. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Look at this. Put this next slide up. Paul is saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to change your perspective of who Onesimus is right now. He's a slave, but I want you to think of him a little bit better than that. Think of him as like a dear brother. Actually, wait a second, think of him as better than that. Maybe think of him as a fellow man. Why is that better than a dear brother? Well, because in Roman society, this, like, a slave was absolutely nothing. Fellow man was way up here. Slave was way down here. If you were to consider a slave as a fellow man, people would have said, something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. Don't treat your slave like that. Don't treat your servant like that. They're not a man, right? They're a slave. Treat him like a dear brother. Actually, treat him like a human being. Actually, wait, treat him like a brother in the Lord. Do you see that progression right there? He's sending back a slave and saying, hold on, maybe we can think of him as a little bit more than that. Maybe we can think of him as a lot more than that. Actually, maybe we can think of him as a brother in Christ Jesus. Paul's asking Philemon to change his perspective from what Onesimus was to who Onesimus now is. He has become a dear brother, a fellow man, a human, a brother in the Lord. Paul is asking his friend and brother in Christ to change his whole perspective the cultural norm. He's saying, I know what the cultural norm says. I actually know what your house church thinks. But could you do this maybe? And the house church is sitting around like, oh okay. god. To view his slave now in light of the companion letter of Colossians. Remember Pastor Trevor talked about this? You see, the letter to Philemon didn't arrive alone. This little one-pager didn't arrive by itself. It arrived with another letter that was to every house church in the area called Colossians. Pastor Mike's been teaching on it. Pastor Trevor talked about it last week. It, so, so when we talk about Philemon and we're, you know, we're like, oh, what does this mean? We can actually look at it because Paul wrote two letters and sent two letters at the same time and they overlap this week and actually the, for the last month the image i can't get out of my head and i won't show it to you because it's kind of gross but is do you remember in a do you remember in a and p anybody taken anatomy and in physiology okay remember and 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 actually um uh, high school biology too um biology of the human when you look at the human tommy knows what i'm talking about when you look at the human body she's like mm-hmm. when you look at the human body remember in your old in the old textbook where they had the little the cellophane pages that layered over and you could see, oh, ribs, oh, musculature, oh, organs, right? And then you got to the page with butts, and everybody laughed in high school. <laughs> yeah, just like, exactly, just like that. <laughs> you guys are like, what kind of church service? is <laughs> I'm laughing at it, so okay, it's fair. That's kind of how I look at this with Philemon. You have to take the book of Philemon and then you have to lay over the letter that arrived at the same time. Colossians, does that make sense? You can't just look at the guts. You have to lay the ribs and musculature over it so you understand what's happening. You have to like go, wait a minute, that's weird. Why did he only write that? Huh, I guess it's not worth anything. I've done that, you guys, to this little page. What you have to do is take this little page and lay over it an entire book that arrived with it at the same time. And when we do that, what we see is the same crew that he sent the letter to all the house churches in Colossae, he also sent the church that meets in Philemon's house, they got the same letter. So when the letter to Philemon was read, the letter to the Colossians is also read, likely in the same meeting if they could stay awake. So in Colossians, where he says this, here, here, so he's saying here, what does that mean? Here, yep, that's, there's, that's Greek. Here <laughs> here there is no greek or jew circumcised or uncircumcised barbarian scythian slave or free but christ is in all and is christ is all and is in all barbarian just simply means barbarian we know what that word means do you know what scythian is scythians actually were russians <laughs> that's weird <laughs> Anyway, I, yeah, take that for what it's worth. So, there's no uncircumcised, barbarian, Russian, slave, or free. But Christ is in, Christ is all, and is in all. Christ is all, and is in all. When we read Colossians, and then we pair that with Philemon, we get a totally different picture. This is now the marker for how we treat each other. Christ is all, and is in all. Growing up in church, I always heard this phrase from Colossians, by the way, in chapter one, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Anybody ever heard that? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in you, Christ in you, good of Christ, and you "Get a Christ, and you "Get a glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Quoted all the time. In other words, Christ in you is your hope of heaven and eternity, which is amazing. But I never heard it referenced on how to treat other people. I heard it referenced for how I was going to heaven, but I never heard Christ in you. Here's how I treat you. Paul changes our perspective with this layering of these two letters together. He says, there's not slave or free, Greek nor Jew, male nor female, red or blue, Democrat, Republican, Russian or Iraqi, conservative or liberal, American or Canadian, the litmus test... For how we treat people has changed, and now we are required to treat those around us like Christ Jesus is in them. Christ is all and is in all. Sometimes the little sentences can totally blow our theology out of the water. Christ is in all. The same concept that we use to claim heaven as our own is the same concept that we must use to view our fellow man. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the standard for how I will treat you. In Romans chapter 12, verse 17, it says, repay repay no one evil for evil. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. 18. This is what I want to lean into today. And I think this is what maybe Paul was leaning into as well. If possible, so far as it depends on you. If that's not underlined in your Bible somewhere, it should be. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. As I said a minute ago, this letter to Philemon is not Paul's typical head-on blunt kind of instruction, but it's also not a rebuke either in any way. It's an ask. It's an ask. Paul's asking his friend something. It reminds me of when, in Corinthians, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse one, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. What example? Follow my example as, we, as I follow the example of Christ. What, what, like, if, if we were to say, okay, if Paul's saying he's setting an example here, if we looked at Philemon, we look at Colossians, what example? Well, I think we find a little clue in Philemon chapter one, verse 23, right at the end of the letter. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers, and so do Mark. See that? I love finding little treasures like this in the Word. Mark is there. Why does this matter? Well, because about 12 years before this letter, Paul, Mark, and Barnabas have a very sharp disagreement and they part ways. They leave each other behind. One abandons the other. One is very hurt, very damaged and writes about it. It's not pretty. And Paul goes so far as to say that Mark abandoned him. Paul is telling churches, listen to this. The Apostle Paul, leader of the church of the time, is writing to churches and saying, Mark has abandoned me. We sanitize that a lot and think like, oh, you know, he's just Paul, you know, he's just, he's Paul with huge influence. And he's telling churches that another guy abandoned him. Another guy who's out doing missions work, by the way. He abandoned me. They parted ways, not on good terms. But now, over a decade later, some 12 years later, we see Paul list Mark as one of his companions there in prison in Rome. Working with him, reconciled. Get this, in the same letter to the whole Colossian church that arrives right at the same time as Philemon. So the companion letter that arrives with Philemon, what, do we read it there? Oh, we sure do. Look at this, Colossians chapter four, verse 10. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, look at this, concerning whom you've received instructions. You read whatever you want into that. Theologians think a lot of things. He was saying a lot of things there. But Mark, who you and I have talked about, (laughs) if he comes to you, welcome him. Why would he be saying that? Of course they'd welcome Mark. Well, maybe they wouldn't. You ever thought of that? Maybe without that, they wouldn't have welcomed him. Why? Because Paul's been talking trash about him. In black and white, you guys. Well, they didn't do that to each other. They were Jesus Well, you can read it for yourself. Paul wasn't Jesus. Paul was a man. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you've received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. These are the only two letters from Paul that contain a greeting from Mark, just so you know. Isn't that interesting? These are the only two places where Paul says, oh, hey, Mark says hi. Why do you think that is? Just a year or two later, in, in, the, in the letter to Timothy, Paul does say, hey, Mark's been really helpful to me. He does say that. He says, Mark's been really helpful to me. But this is the only place where Paul quotes him, si- basically signs the letter from Mark too. Do you see that? That's how it's ending. It's from me, it's from Mark, it's from Aristarchus. We're all here, we all say hi, hey. It's like that, wish you were here. Not really, because that'd be weird. okay so why mention Mark and give instructions about Mark now this is where my speculation comes in so just bear with me you're free to disagree email me all you want it's been 12 years but he came back and we're reconciled I think that maybe is what he's saying here I think Paul's saying hey look Mark's back hey look Mark and I are good now Remember everything I told you about him? We're okay now, just in case you wanted to know. Cause I'm asking you to do something here that I understand. I'm not asking you to do something I don't get, I get it. I was abandoned, but now Mark's back. We're reconciled. Remember all the things I said about him? Welcome him anyway. It's been 12 years, but he came back and we're reconciled. And here are a few instructions about Mark C. Philemon. Like I said, that's all just conjecture on my part. But when I look at those two letters together, I get that picture. Seems like Paul could be including his own personal example of healing and reconciliation right here in the pages of these letters on how to heal and have reconciliation. We're getting ready to close here, I promise. Philemon is one of the later letters written by Paul. And a lot's happened since Mark left him. Mark left him 12 years earlier. A lot has happened since then. He's been shipwrecked alone, he's been arrested twice, he's been imprisoned in two different towns. And now he's entering into this final stretch of ministry that could have only been maybe another four years or so. He just has a little bit of time left. And he's writing this letter. And he's gonna be martyred just a few years later. And even though he doesn't know that, I think he's... I hear Paul in all of his talk of how useful Onesimus is now saying, look, for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, can you look at Onesimus differently and reconcile? In fact, in verse 16, Paul states that Philemon should now view Onesimus as his fellow man, a human being and his equal. Do you hear me? His equal. It wouldn't be too far of a reach to think that the church that met in his home there was now hearing that Paul is asking his friend to free his slave right then and there. That's not too far of a reach in the Greek. It's not a reach at all, actually. It's mainly just our perception. Hey, you know your servant? You know your slave? Free him. Free him. Today, as we close, can we just stand together all over the room? I'm gonna invite the worship team up and we're gonna sing an old school vineyard song if that's okay together. I know a little bit of what God wants to do in this time, but listen, I don't, I don't pretend to know all everything you've walked through in your life. But there's a safe assumption in a church that's healing like this. This is, a, this is a healing place. I don't know if you know that. But just this morning, I was standing in the back of the room during worship, and I just thought, man, I'm so thankful for this church. This house has been so healing for Kate and I and our kids, not because of anything, you know, like spectacular going on, but because there's a space provided here in this house for God to meet with people and deal with people and heal people's hearts. God is healing our hearts. And what I want to do today is just open up an opportunity maybe for God to heal your heart. (sighs) Today, as we close, we're going to sing a song called Change My Heart, O God, because that's that's really what we need. When we're talking about church hurt, and damage, and offense, and abandonment, and neglect, and abuse, and all of the things that go on in church, we can only let God deal with us. Because really what we need for reconciliation is, and healing is a change of heart a heart change. We can go back and we can't, we cannot go back and change what happened to us. We can't change the other people involved in this situation. We can only do, as Paul says, and go as far as it depends on us. As far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me, my heart is going to get changed and healed. And then God's going to lead us to the rest. I, I have full faith for that, and I think that's what Paul was saying here. He's just saying, "Hey, hey, uh, Philemon, if you'll just change the way you look at this guy, if you could just have a heart change, God's going to do the rest and cause healing to happen. A change of perspective." as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me. Is there something that you need to go make right? Make a myth for? Sure, absolutely. But just go as far as it depends on you. Don't put expectations on yourself that are unrealistic. Like I said, this was not a letter to Philemon saying, Philemon, get over here and make this right. This was a letter to Philemon saying, Hey Philemon, I'm sending the problem back to you if you could look at it differently. If you could just look at it differently, if you could let the Holy Spirit do a work in you, I think God's going to heal the church. I think if we can just let the Holy Spirit do a work in us, it's going to change the church. I think if we can just say, God, would you change my heart? And as far as it depends on me, would you do a work in me? So, we're just going to sing it and then we're going to respond in prayer. But just kind of let your heart, we're, it's okay. We're just going to wrap this up today, but we're going to sing and then we're going to do some ministry time. So, hang out if you can, okay?
1: Go ahead, Jess. Change my heart, oh.
2: May I
0: just hear the Holy Spirit through these words of the Apostle Paul saying, hey, today there's some healing for you. Today there's some freedom for you. These things may go back decades. That's okay. He can work back decades. Might have happened yesterday. It's okay. There's an opportunity here today for healing." I feel like today God wants to just sit, as we've acknowledged the pain today, he wants to just sit in the pain with some people here today. And he's provided a space for healing, a well of healing here today. I believe there's an anointing for healing today from hurts for you to sit in. And he wants to be there with you and heal your heart from damage and injury and pain done to you. He wants to heal you. In order to move forward through the wrongs done to us, we have to begin healing in our hearts, and that's something that Jesus does. So as we sing this prayer again, if that's you, you know that's you. You're just like, that's me. God is just, he's speaking to me. I just want us to come forward this morning. Just press in, and we're just going to sing this together. I don't know what we're going to do next, but we're going to get healed together. Amen? So we're going to sing this again as we do come forward. Change my heart, oh God. Come
1: forward. Yeah. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. Yeah. May I be like you. Change my heart, oh God. Change my heart, oh God. Come on, Lord. Come on, this is the time. There's
0: healing today.
1: Make it ever true. Change my heart, God. oh God.
0: Come on, just let him wash over you with healing today. May I
1: be like you. Yes, God. Change my heart. Yes, Change my heart, oh God. May I be light.
0: Jesus, we submit our hearts to you. Lord, we acknowledge today that there's been hurt, there's been damage from people that we loved and respected and cared about. And today, Jesus, we just set ourselves before you and just say, would you heal our hearts? Would you shape our hearts and would you give us a new perspective? Would you set us free? Would you free us as we free those involved, God? We need you. Come Holy Spirit, minister to every heart out of this moment Decades of hurt can get washed away by the Holy Spirit. The presence of Jesus. A lack of care, for the body of Christ can be washed away. Things weren't handled well. Things weren't handled correctly, things weren't handled with care. Sorry. Jesus cares and wants to handle you with care. You're valuable to him. Your experience in his family is valuable to him. How you experience his family as your own is valuable to him. It's valuable to him. You're valuable to Jesus, not for what you can do, but for who you are, how he made you. And there's more that haven't come up. That's okay. He can heal you right where you stand, right where you sit, right where you kneel. He's right here today to touch and heal and change our lives today. Come, Holy Spirit, and move. Come and minister. Come and shape and change our hearts. We're the family of God, and you might feel like God is saying, hey, I, go pray for that person. Go up and put a hand on their shoulder and just, just sit with them, just stand with them, just kneel with them, just be with them. Just pray over them. Come on, let's be the, let's be the family of God. Would you maybe let healing be released through you to somebody? Spirit.
1: you
2: we haven't worked it all out. When I was hearing him speak, I was thinking of the moment when Philemon's door opens and standing in his doorway is the very person who has hurt him. And I'm thinking about his heart is probably just pounding. Maybe he wasn't prepared for that moment. Maybe he wasn't ready to face the person who had caused so much hurt in his life. And there's a letter also saying, let's try to work this out. Let's do this. And I, we know long-term they worked it out, but I'm thinking about that moment where sometimes we're very attached to our hurt. And our hurt maybe has even become some of our identity. And even the idea of giving it away in this moment where we know God wants to heal it and we want Him to heal it, we don't actually feel comfortable letting it go. So if you're in that boat too, I would just encourage you to come up and say, He's there for that too. Jesus is there for that too, that moment where it's like, I hate this, but I'm attached to it. I don't like this, I'm so hurt, but it has become part of who I am and I don't know how to give it away.
0: So we're not, we're not in a hurry today. If you have kids in children's ministry, they're they're prepared to go a little bit longer today, but it might be a good time to go get them. But in here, in this room, we're just gonna let this holy moment be here. So if you have conversations and things, you might just take them out of here. But if you still need to meet with God, I wanna encourage you to meet with God wherever you are, if you're standing or sitting or anywhere in the room, just, just be there. If you need prayer for something, Just lift up a hand like this and somebody will come over and pray with you. They'll sit with you, they'll support you. If you just need prayer this morning, just lift up a hand. God bless you. God bless you, we're dismissed today. Let's just keep this room just a place for God to do His work, okay? Don't rush, don't rush out of this moment. Don't rush out of this moment. The Holy Spirit's here to move. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you.
1: Thanks.